Welcome to All Things Real Estate with Maria Recruit, your number one source for news for real estate in North America and worldwide. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Maria Recruit, Thursday night, 7.30, and I have my show, All Things Real Estate with Maria Recruit. And I would like to thank the sponsors, 4680q.ca, who is sponsoring our show, and also the Canadian Real Estate Investors Association, who sponsors our show. You can find us on Facebook under Canadian Real Estate Investors Association, also 4680q.ca. And this evening, we have a program called Hack the Experts. And what it consists of is that I, I get a hold and speak to a lot of real estate, either their investors or their landlords or their property managers, paralegals, lawyers, accountants, you name it. We discuss things that affect the business of real estate. And real estate, really, um, the way I look at it, I've been doing this for 20 years, um, is a business. It's not a hobby. And it's a very serious business now, especially with the prices of housing going up to $500,000 or more. I mean, you really should be aware of how to handle an investment of that amount. And handling an investment is managing your risks associated with your real estate portfolio, which means you need to pay, probably take courses like Landlording 101, Property Management 101, Zoning Bylaws 101. You know, we need to learn this. And so either take courses, go, there's always meetings all over the place, look it up on Facebook or social media or websites. Also, you can listen to my show every week. You know, we have uh, two shows on the radio station, and we always have wonderful guests coming and discussing all things related to real estate. So this evening, I had the pleasure of having Daniel English, who is a paralegal from Toronto. He is the founder and um, the president of uh, Y Law in Toronto, Ontario. And we were discussing the, um, the, the misunderstood and misused N12s and N13s. So I had a wonderful time speaking to Daniel about how we can use N12s and N13s um, and, and knowing the, the risks and obligations that we, uh, not only as landlords, but also as tenants. I mean, it goes both ways, you know, like it's not just a one-way street here. Both landlords and tenants are involved with the process of an N12 and N13. And uh, you'll probably be more successful with an N12 or N13 if you do use uh, a paralegal. Myself, uh, whenever I, I had problems with any of my tenants from day one, I hired a paralegal to take care of my problems. And the, the paralegal did it the right way, the way it's supposed to be done legally and I won all the cases because it was done properly. So don't waste your time uh, trying to go to the landlord and tenant board yourself when you don't know what the law is all about. You need to go and have proper, uh, have someone who knows what they're doing and knows the law and is, is on top of the law all the time. So you don't have to worry. You can sleep at night. And that's why I did it. That's why I hired a paralegal. I wanted to sleep at night. I didn't want to stay awake wondering, how can I do this? How can I do that? No. Uh, the paralegal told me what I could and couldn't do, and I followed suit. 
And that's why I won the cases. So I would suggest to all of you is get a hold of paralegals in your area and uh, find out if they represent the landlord or the tenant because you want um, you want um, a paralegal who represents the landlords just like if a tenant wants a, a paralegal they should be asking if the paralegal represents tenants okay some represent both some prefer one over the other so I'm just going to um, ask Daniel some questions and we're going to find out more about the N12s and the N13s just sit back relax and enjoy hacking the experts Learn how to use the N12 and N13 correctly. And welcome to our Thursday night Hack the Experts Live All Things Real Estate TV show. It's my pleasure here to introduce our paralegal, and our paralegal is Daniel English from Toronto. Daniel, thank you for coming. I really appreciate you coming. Um, my pleasure. Yeah, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, Daniel? Well, sure. I, I've been a paralegal for about seven years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Previously, I was in uh, business for 25 years. Okay. Uh, I enjoy uh, law. It gives me an opportunity to uh, work with uh, substantive problems, uh, problems where there's a discrete solution. I feel like helping people uh, with uh you know, finding solutions is, uh, it's just a little more uh, interesting than, uh, than the business world. And uh, I enjoy, uh, you know, meeting the various people that I encounter in this uh, position. Yes. Yeah. Why did you decide to become a paralegal, Daniel? Yeah, you know, I, I just got uh, interested in engaging in problems that were more people-centered, more detailed, rather than just uh, churning money, you know, yeah. selling things, marketing things for money. There's nothing wrong with sales and marketing. Yeah. It's very important, but from a personal point of view, I really uh, have enjoyed uh, getting more involved with particular problems with particular people. That's fair enough. So you enjoy, you like the, the changes that are going on with the land and tenant board? I mean, that's, I would think for you to keep up with all those changes is, is very difficult. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question for a couple of reasons. <laughs> um, so first of all, uh, I'll just uh, speak specifically to, uh, you know, why anybody would want to approach a legal professional and particularly a paralegal. Uh, the residential tenancy Act, Tenancies Act, which is the single statute that governs any and all disputes really between landlords and tenants, which is uh, done under the auspices of the Landlord Tenant Board, is uh, it's not rocket science, it's not an esoteric document, but it's comprehensively detailed. Mm -hmm. uh, the Residential Tenancies Act is uh, kind of an unusual form of law for a couple of reasons. Uh, first of all, it's a remedial law. Uh, the overarching purpose of the RTA is to find remedies for tenants. It gives tenants every opportunity to make their tenancy work. And mm -hmm. that is a spin-off of public policy. You know, as a province, as a society, we want people safely in homes that work. And uh, the other reason is that uh, within the RTA, unlike many other statutes, 
there are always two parties in play. For example, every time a landlord has an obligation, so does a tenant, and vice versa. Every time a tenant must do something, it implicates the landlord. And this uh, symbiosis or dance between two parties makes the law get complicated in a hurry. And so the reason that you would want to talk with a paralegal, I mean, it could be a lawyer, but it tends to be a paralegal because you're looking for a legal professional who not only has expertise in that area of law, but who does it frequently. Of it's, course. <laughs> yeah, you really have to be on top of, uh, of what's going on. Uh, and to answer the other part of your question, do mm -hmm. I like what's going on? Well, my goodness, I mean, it's becoming uh, quite a political football. It um, is. Yeah, the Landlord-Tenant Board itself uh, seems to be under the strain of uh, needing more adjudicators than they have. Mm -hmm. uh, this is causing a couple of changes right now, whereas timelines that perhaps were two months in duration two years ago are sometimes four or five months. Yes. Uh, yeah. If a landlord wants to recover uh, rent, what might be the landlord being owed six or eight thousand dollars now becomes sixteen or eighteen thousand dollars. Obviously, that's putting a lot of stress on any landlord because, yeah. Yes. yeah, apart from the human element of being a landlord, being a landlord is first and foremost a business with a bottom mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. Landlords need to be able to protect themselves and their bottom line. And, you know, I think everybody is waiting with bated breath, wondering what this government is going to do to make the landlord tenant board more effective and more efficient, which ironically, was precisely why it was created many years mm -hmm. ago in the first place. Yeah. So something yeah. needs to be done there. Yes, yes, sir. a lot, a lot. Yeah. This is really serious what's going on right it now. Is and, yes. It is serious. And, and, and there are landlords that are going out of business. They're declaring bankruptcies. Right. They just can't continue doing right. this. Another, yeah. another uh, less, uh, it's not commented on as much, but uh, another uh, feature of the stresses that the landlord tenant board is on is that they tend to allot um, a smaller time for a hearing. Yeah, uh, oh really? That too. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I had a I had a hearing uh, not long ago. Uh, the hearing took an hour. It probably should have taken an hour and a half or two hours. Mm -hmm. But truth be told, we were allotted twenty minutes. Yeah. Oh God. The, the problem when you don't have enough time isn't that you can't get the main facts in. You can certainly get the main facts in within 20 minutes. But if we're talking about a hearing, which looks a lot like a court trial, yes, you need the opportunity to interrogate and, uh, and uh, cross-examine the witnesses. And, mm -hmm. and the adjudicator needs the time to really take a look at what's going on. Yes. Uh, with the witness. And if it's being rammed through in 20 minutes instead of 90 minutes, what gets lost are the nuances. So we're having hearings that are proper. Uh, the law is considered, the facts are read in, but some of the nuances that should be considered with respect to particular witnesses, I think are being lost in translation. So this is another reason why uh, the board needs to somehow, you know, with the help of the government, uh, get more adjudicators to to facilitate 
uh, more fair trials. Yes, yes, I think that's part of the problem here too. And you know what, God bless the paralegals. I mean, when I started having difficulties with my tenants, I just called the paralegal in right away. I never tried to go by myself to land and tenant board. And that's why I advise anyone who gets in touch with me when they have problems to get in touch with um, a paralegal. If you notice on, on my, because I have a number of associations, one of them is Ontario Landlords Association. When people ask me what to do, I say, I actually highlight your name. <laughs> Yours oh, be Lisi and Samantha Glass as people right. that I trust to go to and oh, speak about these yeah, problems. They're, they're out, outstanding colleagues. I like them both both very much. Yes. Yes. If I could just speak to that point that you made, uh, you yourself mm -hmm. said, you know, it was your choice to uh, sort of right away go to a paralegal. Yeah. I would like to point out that uh, for about the past 12 months in particular, mm -hmm. the board has been exercising its prerogative to um, dismiss cases mm -hmm. where the representative or the important paperwork is signed off on by, for example, a property manager or a real estate agent. Yes, I've um, heard of that. The reality is that the only party that should be re representing uh, one of the sides at a hearing would be a law society licensee, mm -hmm. like a paralegal or a lawyer, or the owner of the property. It's all well and good to have agents running around, property managers that facilitate your business model and get things done. But when it comes down to uh, really nailing down the law, uh, the board is getting more fastidious about uh, making sure it's a licensee or an owner. So uh, for owners that don't have the time to attend these hearings, and that can be an onerous task, they really should uh, get to know a paralegal or a lawyer. I agree. That's what I say. First of all, years ago, it wasn't quite as complicated, Daniel. I think you'll agree with that with me. When I started 20 years ago, because I've been a landlord for 20 years now, it wasn't that difficult. But now, I mean, it's, it's just you, you have to learn everything. It's like you become a lawyer. That's not my job. I'm an investor. I just have to worry about taking care of my tenants and buying more property if that's what I want to do. It's not me trying to learn the law. It's not, yeah. it's hardly worth it. And what I said, even with my radio show this morning, I have a radio show every Thursday at 12 noon and then 7.30 this evening, I have another radio show again on 4680q.ca, which is one of our, our uh, newsletter sponsors also. I said, don't waste your time. You're running a business, therefore you have to spend money to be able to get the best return on investment. And I'm sure you'd agree with that. So Daniel, everyone is asking about the N12s and the N13s. Can you just go through an N12 for us, when we should be using it, when sure. we shouldn't be using it, please? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's just back up here and talk about um, some of the urban myths around an N12. Uh, okay. I mean, the development of the RTA, I mean, it, it you know, the RTA uh, has been uh, in play for about 13 years, and uh, it, it formerly had a different name. But uh, my point is that over time, the RTA, in keeping with its character as being a remedial law, has found um, increasingly creative or nuanced ways to protect tenants. As I alluded to earlier, uh, this is a matter of public policy. Uh, the province wants tenancies that work 
for very good public policy reasons. One example of changes would be, for example, under the uh, Wynn government, as of September of 2017, um, a legislative change was brought in. Uh, prior to September of 2017, if a numbered company or a corporation owned a property, let's say a triplex or an 18-unit building or any, any multiple-unit uh, building, it was the prerogative of one of the directors or principals of the corporation to cherry-pick one of the units, uh, say that I, quote, you know, I want that unit for myself or my son or my daughter, and they could effect um, an N12 for own use and evict the tenant and and take over that unit. Uh, the legislative change as of September of 2017 uh, prohibited uh, a director or a principal of a corporation from doing that. So now, uh, if on title to a property, it is a numbered company or corporation, the N12 is simply not an option whatsoever. I mention this because I think that it's uh, both myth and reality the landlords are feeling squeezed. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been fewer and fewer options for any landlord, whether it's a nefarious motive or whether it's an upstanding honest landlord mm -hmm. across the board. It's becoming yes. increasingly difficult for landlords to uh, evict tenants. Now, yes. <laughs> my, experience, you know, my experience with, uh, now let me, uh, full disclosure here, sure. I happily and successfully represent both landlords and tenants uh, small and large. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't have a bias. Okay. Uh, you know, I do my best. I apply the law. I play by the rules, and mm -hmm. make sure everybody gets a fair shot. Whoever okay. I'm representing. Okay. okay. So, um, having said that, I would suggest that the vast majority, if not every landlord I ever encounter as my client, they typically have uh, a bias or a prejudice that sounds something like well it's my property my capital and my risk yes i should be able to do what i want with it mm -hmm. and that feeling is understandable however due to the uh, scope and comprehensiveness of the rta uh often it's the case that landlords have gotten themselves perhaps inadvertently into a business model that they may not understand fully yes uh, yes i agree <laughs> if you know if i can come up with examples where uh if you were cynical you mm -hmm. might say that the landlord kind of becomes a de facto arm of the government they become a de facto extension of social policy themselves i don't think we want to be though <laughs> no i i i don't think so yeah. <laughs> but the reason I bring this up is that uh, the landlords are feeling the squeeze because there are not many lawful options that they can, or there are, I would say there are decreasing lawful options that they can utilize to do with their property what they wish. And yes. the last, one of the last standing lawful options is an N12. Mm -hmm. So to describe an N12 uh, according to the law, an N12 is an opportunity for the owner of the property to reclaim the property for uh, the, the owner's own use. Mm -hmm. And that means the, it can be the owner, mm -hmm. the owner's spouse, the owner's lawful children, yes. or the owner's lawful parents or in-laws. So excluded 
from this would be uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, and siblings. Mm-hmm. A common error is that the landlord wants to move their sibling in, and that's just not a possibility. So that's essentially how an N12 uh, works. And when you, so if I'm a landlord, I can fill in an N12. It's a very, very simple two-page document. I fill it in, I properly serve it uh, to the tenant, meaning I give it to the tenant in person or in the mailbox. uh, And it says, look, um, I want this property for my own use or my child to move in or what have you. And therefore, I want you to move out on a specified date. Now, in some cases, the tenant will agree. Okay, um, I don't want to live somewhere I'm not wanted. I'll move out by that date. However, regardless of what the tenant says, uh, it is the tenant's prerogative to simply not move out on that date. They can make a verbal promise and renege. And when March 31st rolls around and they haven't moved out, the landlord's in a quandary. So what a a smart landlord will do is, number one, uh, they will serve the N-12 notice uh, more than 60 days in advance. How many days would you suggest? 90 days, 120 days? What what would you suggest would be uh, a good rule of thumb, Daniel? It's uh, 60 days notice. 60 days notice, okay. Right. And I hope I'm not having a brain cramp and making an error there, but I'm pretty sure that it's 60 days notice. (laughs) I'm sure it is, but I'm saying... To give so, them more time, maybe give them 90 days instead? Yeah, you absolutely okay. should. Okay, all right. Nothing yeah. wrong with giving more notice. Yeah. yeah. You give the proper notice, so give it more than 60 days in advance. The date for which by which a tenant must vacate is always the last day in that rental period. Mm-hmm. So if a tenant typically pays in the first of the month, the date to vacate is the last day of that month. Uh, in some unusual cases, um, landlords have the tenants pay in the 6th of the month or the 15th of the month, yeah. whatever it may be. So if the tenant pays in the 6th of the month, the vacate date is the 5th of the next month, 15th and 14th. Yeah. Okay. Now, a smart landlord, the very next day after mm-hmm. they provide the notice to the tenant, uh, will uh, file an L2 application with okay. the board, which sets in motion a hearing date. Now, a hearing is required if the tenant refuses to move out because at a hearing, it's like a trial, Mm -hmm. uh, a member or an adjudicator will hear the arguments and look at the evidence from both sides and decide whether this is uh, a case whereby the the landlord will be granted the landlord's wish and Mm -hmm. have the tenant evicted. Now, uh, the bar which uh, the standard of the bar, which the landlord should meet, is kind of low and kind of ambiguous. Uh, The board does not really care for what reason the landlord wants the place, but the board really cares whether the landlord is sincere in the stated wish to uh, occupy the place as a residential tenant, not a business, and occupy that unit or that house for 12 consecutive months. Okay, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Okay. And so, as you can imagine, you are there at a hearing, it's all very formal, 
There's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, evidence, witnesses, and the member is discerning with great scrutiny whether the member believes that the landlord is sincere. Mm -hmm. That it can be tougher than it sounds. Mm -hmm. Okay, tell us how the landlord has to prove that they're actually going to be moving in. Since you're saying it's tougher than it sounds, can yeah. you explain that for us, please? Yeah, well, apart from looking normal and relaxed, which <laughs> is not always easy, the landlord, the landlord must uh, portray the situation with incredible consistency. Okay. Um, I hope I'm not sort of telling tales out of school here, but uh, I might suggest that there are some people who work on the inside of law, whether it's members or paralegals or lawyers or whomever, who might suggest that uh, up to 80% of N12s are bogus. Okay. Now, now okay. Don't, don't quote me on that. I'm no. Not, that's a it's sign. We're not here to judge. We're just talking facts. But the point is that if members are of the opinion that a lot or the majority of N12s are bogus, it means that they are going to examine the landlord with great scrutiny. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the paperwork that is submitted leading up to the hearing and particularly with the testimony at the hearing, uh, the landlord must be very, very consistent and on point. Mm -hmm. If there's any kind of uh, discrepancy or inconsistency, uh, that is very rapidly going to uh, lead to a judgment against the landlord for not being sincere. So consistency is a measure of sincerity quite often by an adjudicating member. Wow. Okay. All right. Then. Do you want to add anything more to the N12? That if someone is going to, if a landlord is going to be using that, is there any, any type of advice you would you'd want to give him to the landlord? Then any type of advice you want to give the tenant? Um, well, I mean, I'll say one more thing about the landlord. I mean, some landlords um, become fairly familiar uh, with the law, mm -hmm. and they'll start throwing around the term N12 like it's just a jargon. <laughs> everyone's, everyone's using it now. I mean, I never yeah. heard of it years ago, right? Right. Yeah, I've heard about N12s or N13s years ago. <laughs> for example... For example, a landlord could send the tenant an email, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes we're comfortable with that mode, and we sort of write them as if we were just talking, like on the yes. screen. Yes. So the landlord might fire off an email, say, "Well, by the way, you know, um, I really want to take over the place this coming summer, so mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can talk about moving out, or else I'm going to send you an N12." <laughs> well. You know, uh, once you start throwing that word around, yeah. no, that yeah, can be tantamount to actually serving an N12. Yes, yes. And if you start if you start throwing around the word N12 and then you don't follow through, yes, the landlord can be in for a really nice um, application by a tenant called a T5 wow. for bad faith, which can be up to a $25,000 fine oh my. If, if that goes sideways uh, for the landlord. So... It's a very serious matter. Uh, we're, t we're not talking about selling widgets. Yes, we're talking about uprooting yes. people's lives because we're yes. throwing, throwing them out of their homes. And yes. 
the landlord needs to take it uh, seriously. Very seriously, absolutely. I think they were being overused between you and myself because many people who are, are, are wanting to uh, come into my homes and I ask them, I always ask them the question, why are you leaving? Oh, uh, the landlord's moving back into the house. I mean, I never heard that years ago. That was right. never used by that. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, something's going on right. here. But let's go on to N13s now, Daniel. Just really quickly on the N12, really quickly. Yes. Tenants, tenants, if you're watching and you receive an N12, it doesn't mean you have to leave. It's not automatic. Okay. Get a legal opinion before you get really upset. That's all. And also, landlords, go to see a paralegal and find out how you can actually, if you want to use, truly want to use the space for yourself, make sure that you're covered. That's the N12s. Now the N13s. Okay. Right. So N13s are far less common uh, than N12s, but they're not uncommon. Okay. So an N13 is utilized by a landlord who um, wants the tenant to, let's say, temporarily vacate mm -hmm. because uh, the landlord has determined it's in the landlord's interest to, to renovate. Okay. Now, um, if you're living in a condominium that's, let's say, less than 10 years old, if you're a tenant and you're living in a new condominium and your landlord starts throwing around this term N13, that's probably not sincere. <laughs> because think about it. We're talking about renovation or demolition of yeah. a property, okay? And um, it's very unlikely that anybody in their right mind would want to seriously renovate or demolish something new. Mm -hmm. But this is a very nuanced situation. So the question is, there, there are a number of questions that come up. Uh, is the renovation profound enough such that the tenant needs to leave? There are renovations whereby the tenant doesn't have to leave. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're uh, sprucing up a kitchen. Well, does the tenant have to leave? Well, probably not. Is the water going to be turned off for 48 hours? Maybe. Does the tenant have to leave? Probably not. I would, I would suggest that if you're doing work in the kitchen and water has to be turned off and you have a family, then yeah, you should leave to get the work done. Because, I mean, the worst thing to do, and what I've heard from other people, Daniel, is that, you know what, maybe maybe, they're, maybe they, they say it's okay, but when they see the reality, when the tenant sees the reality of someone coming in there, knocking things out, making it uncomfortable for themselves, they can actually stop that whole uh, renovation because of that, which is not what you want as a, as a landlord. Right. So then we get to a renovation where really the tenant has to leave, okay? Yes. Now, you know, in this case, um, you know, the tenant can be offered uh, another place to live mm -hmm. uh, or uh, three months worth of rent, you know, that they can put towards other accommodations. And, uh, you know, when you have a renovation, uh, it is important uh, that the, the tenant, it's incumbent upon the tenant to, in a very short period of time, I believe within 10 days, don't quote me on that, but yes. very shortly after learning or receiving an N13 for renovation, the tenant needs to write a very clear letter signed off on saying they intend to reoccupy the unit in due course. Okay. Uh, once the tenant does that, and I would I would supply that letter by ordinary mail, registered mail, mm -hmm. email, hand it to them, mm -hmm. every way possible. Make sure that you have 
demonstrable proof that the landlord got that letter because when the renovation is done, the landlord has the right to return, to return to that unit at the same rent, which okay. is obviously great from the yes. tenant's point of view. Of course, not great yeah. for the landlord, but great for the tenant. Right. Now, can I, I have a question to ask Daniel. We're getting a lot of comments on Facebook, which is wonderful, but unfortunately I don't have any time. Uh, I can just say one thing. One person said, great observation by Michael. Hey, Michael, so that's you. Um, and then I have other comments, but I'm not gonna mention them right now because I have to keep going, but I may mention them at the end. Okay. We have about four or five comments, which is wonderful. Okay, my question, how I would do it if I had to uh, serve an interview, 13, I would get them to sign off saying that, yes, they understand the scope of the renovation and that they're going to allow the people, my renovators, to go in and do this work. Because how can we be assured that they can't stop us from going ahead with the renovation? Michael, explain that to me yeah. from the landlord's point of view. Well, I mean, um, you would, uh, the landlord would serve the N13 Mm -hmm. and then file an L2 application okay. and um, get an order. I mean, um, I know once that, um, that... Once we get that, it's, it's, it, okay. So once we get that, that means the tenant can't stop us from going ahead with the renovation and they're understanding the scope of that renovation? Right. The order, the order puts the landlord on the right side of the law. Okay. You know, okay. and if there's some kind of dispute, I mean, it's not too hard to bring the sheriff in. Mm -hmm. Once the sheriff comes in, I mean, it's a, it's a foregone conclusion. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, landlords should do this through the board. I mean, I think yeah, it's fair to say that any and all disputes between landlords and tenants require an order, and an order requires a hearing, and a hearing requires an application, and this all takes time. Yes. Now, there are a couple yes. of outstanding issues with respect to renovations. Uh, there's some um, question. There are questions as what's the difference between a renovation and a demolition? Mm -hmm. Well, a demolition, obviously, if you destroy a house, that's a demolition. But there are demolitions that are not so profound. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, are, there is case law. I'm not going to cite any case law currently. But um, there are cases where landlords will uh, request a hearing and get a hearing, and they want to make the case that they're demolishing the unit. And of course, when you're demolishing a unit, yeah. uh, the tenant does not have the right of return. Mm -hmm. So that's a big difference to the landlord. Yes. Because once the unit is demolished and then refurbished and put on the market, the landlord can charge whatever he wants because there's no tenant with a right of return. So mm -hmm. the sort of colloquial sense of what is a demolition, what is a renovation, is that unless that change rips out the floors and the drywalls and the ceilings right back to the studs, mm -hmm. it's a renovation. Okay. Yeah, it has to be a very profound ripping apart of the unit to be a demolition. Mm -hmm. Demolition, Otherwise, the tenant has the right of return. And, at uh, the same rent, at the yeah. same rent. Same yeah. rent. Yeah. And the other use of an N13 would be if you wanna change uh, the use of the property. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a case uh, ongoing right now. Uh, I'm not sure where it's going to go. It's a uh, it's a rural house, probably mm -hmm. an hour somewhere an hour outside of Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And I don't know yet what rural zoning plays, but the landlord for about eight months was 
trying to get this tenant to move, coaxing the tenant to move. They actually filed an N-12 so the sister could move in. It was uh, quickly shot down at the board. Now they filed an N-13. Now they're finally coming clean, saying, well, they actually want to change the use of the house into office space uh, for their agriculturally-based business, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And um, this is in, in process right now. So in, in, in the case of either demolition or uh, changing the property use, it's incumbent upon the landlord to get building permits or the relevant mm -hmm. municipal permits. That's and, right. you know, if the tenant wants to dig in, they mm -hmm. can dig in, force a mm -hmm. hearing, and at the hearing, the landlord will have to produce these permits. Permits, yes. So, you know what, Daniel, I really enjoy having you on the show because you've made it very clear on both sides what to do. The other thing, too, is actually the best thing for the landlord to do is go do the proper paperwork, hire a paralegal to do the proper paperwork. So whether it's an N-12 or an N-13, they have their backs covered. And then the tenant will not be allowed to not leave because if the landlord has done the proper paperwork, then it, the process will have been started. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Now, yeah. I, I, um, I'm going to read some comments. Do you have a couple minutes here for some comments? I, I, I do. Okay, so there's one uh, we've had that they really, well, everyone's very interested to know about N12s and N13s. That's why I was so happy that you could come on the show and do this with me. Um, it says here, one Facebook user, the case law I was presented when I filed for an N13 showed that you have, have to essentially demolish the building, not just the unit. Tearing a single unit back to the studs is not sufficient to define demolition. If the entire building goes down to the studs, then that is a gray zone, gray area. What do you say to that? Uh, I'll just say, yeah, it's a gray area. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I, I can't really offer a legal opinion there. I mean, yeah. that-, yeah, that you know Because that you'd have view... to know the background, right? You'd have yeah, to you'd, you'd have to you have to examine it. The viewer is not wrong, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it is a gray area, and um, I guess the the moral of the story for this show yes. is that the tenant might do well to dig in and and you know take it to the board and you know essentially force the landlord to persuade an adjudicating member that it's a demolition. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Um, they, they have another Facebook user asking this question, Daniel. Must, okay, when you present them with an N12 or an N13, is, is it, must it be at the end of the term? So if they have a lease, so before the end of the term, can they be presented an N12 or an N13 or during their term? Right. Well, that's a really good question. And mm -hmm. uh, you, you cannot, you cannot, evict the tenant in the middle of a term. So that could okay. be a one-year term okay. or a five-year term. Yes. Um, I Good have opinion. advocated I have advocated for tenants who are nervous mm -hmm. about the security of their tenancy to sign longer term leases, mm -hmm. uh, two or three year leases. And then the tenant, the landlord is blocked from executing an N12 or an N13 until mm -hmm. the end of that term. That term, yeah, but who in this in this world wants to have someone for two or three years? If, if you haven't got the right the right amount of rent, and it, you know, there's no sense in doing that at all. So well, can, a landlord, can a landlord just say, no, I'm sorry, one year lease and that's it? Well, the landlord can say no lease at all. 
Uh, yes. Leases okay. primarily protect tenants. Yes, I know, not the landlord, which is not good. So listen, I'm, not, I'm going to um, ask you to tell us a little bit about how people can get in touch with you, Daniel. Can you just uh, give us a little bit of, of information about your, your phone number you want them to call or sure. your website, please? Sure. So the domain name of my website is letter Y, ylaw.legal. Mm -hmm. ylaw.legal. My phone number is a Toronto number. I also have uh, a Cambridge number. My Toronto number is 416-832-6489. And the email I use for business is Daniel English Legal. That's one word, mm -hmm. Daniel English Legal at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Gotta love Gmail. I love it. Oh, I love it. I, well, I just hate it. I love social media. This is how I met you, Daniel, on social media. That's I would have right. never met you otherwise. Just like yeah. Samantha, Samantha Glass, Vita Delisi, and everyone else well, who I have guests on. Well, well, we'll, we'll have to have an event in Hamilton where we all meet in person. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, I have someone asking you a question. Uh, this is from Christian C. Fogel. Okay, I'm sorry, I may say his name wrong, but he's a member of the Canadian Real Estate Investors Association, which is where we are broadcasting our show today, Daniel. So the Canadian Real Estate Investors Association is an association on Facebook. Anyone can join. We have about 3,600 members so far, and it's growing by the minute. He's asking you, are you referring to two Claridon? Two Claridon Apartments Limited versus Sinclair, 2019 ONSC 3845. Okay, and it says, or are you talking about some other case law? I don't mind reading more on this. Uh, you know about this case law, Daniel? Yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, it's kind of coming out of left field. So okay. <laughs> am I referring to that precedent with respect to what? Yes. I don't know. Maybe the demolition part of it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, that, that rings a bell. I, I would have to say the answer is yes. Okay. Okay, very good. Wonderful. So I'm just, we're just closing off the show. We'll have to have you back on again, Daniel. I know you're on the radio show in the fall, but uh, we'll have you on more often because we have these wonderful questions. As I can see from people posting their questions or comments, people want to know, right? Like they want to know today. Yeah. You want to wait until I, tomorrow. I, I'm, I'm happy to talk about the nuts and bolts of the legislation, and I'm yeah. happy to talk about uh, property investment risk anywhere yeah. in between. I know, I know. I have to get you in for the property uh, investment risks because it is very risky these days. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you very much, Daniel, for being. Um, oh, you know, always being a pleasure, Maria. Always. And we'll have you on again. And listen, I'm going to thank everyone for watching us today. This is Maria Recruit from All Things Real Estate. And every Thursday at 6 p.m., we have a, a Facebook Live event where we talk all things real estate. And once again, I'd like to thank my uh, uh, the sponsor is uh, Be Live TV. This is where we're producing this show and where you're able to see all of us speaking to each other and, and sharing ideas about the Landlord and Tenant Board and all things real estate. So Daniel English, thank you once again for being my guest. We will be talking soon. And goodbye to everyone else and good evening. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Bye-bye. What a great interview that was with Daniel English. I mean, <laughs> learning about N12s and N13s, um, you know, that's something we 
really need to know a little bit more about and be very wary of how we use it. So if you're in doubt of how to use it, uh, rule of thumb, call a paralegal up. It's well worth spending the money sitting down and understanding your rights and obligations. And rights and obligations aren't just on the landlord side, it's also on the tenant side. So there's two sides to every story. And you know, when you go to the landlord and tenant board and the adjudicator is sitting there listening to all of this, have all your facts in a row, hire a paralegal, makes it easier for you. You can sleep at night. You don't have to fight with your tenant about any of this. It's just a legal process. Okay. That's all it is. So I'd like to thank Daniel English once again from Y Law in Toronto, Canada for spending time with me uh, discussing uh, the N12s and N13s. Um, it is something that I never heard very much about when I started investing 20 years ago, but certainly now I'm hearing more and more about it. So, uh, uh, and there's many uh, economical factors that play into why people are using more of the N12s and N13s. So stay tuned for our shows. Uh, we have another show next week, 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time. That's Toronto time and also 7.30 in the evening um, on all things real estate. Uh, the morning we usually have someone coming into the studio or on the telephone and the evening show is called Hack the Experts and we get experts from all the world discussing things of interest that have to do with real estate. Once again, thank you very much to my sponsors um, who are sponsoring my newsletter and also sponsoring this TV show, um, Be Live TV. Thank you very much for being our sponsor. So I'm going to say adieu, have a great week investing, and keep well. Take care. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening to All Things Real Estate with Maria Recruit. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to not miss another episode.